Jesus is talking about fear this morning. Are you ever anxious and up in the middle of the night? Thinking about things, worrying about things? You know, I didn't have that problem when I was a teenager growing up or... Uh, I'm not sure I was even worried about that in college, but, you know, when I became a pastor, uh, I'm very familiar with 2.30 to 4.30 in the morning. And, you know, I'm looking at this passage of Scripture this morning, and I, I feel like the biggest hypocrite in this church trying to teach this text. And God has been dealing with me this week about truth and trusting Him. And so I know you probably don't struggle with this, and I'm talking to myself this morning, but just in case, I want to encourage you to listen in. So Luke chapter 12, and Roland, can you turn me down a little bit? I I feel like I'm shouting in here. Luke chapter 12, and we'll start with verse 22. And he said to his disciples, now Jesus is talking to his disciples. Chapter 12 is is a text to to the disciples, okay? So... If, uh, if you're a seeker this morning, if you've, you've not crossed that line of faith, you're still considering the claims of Christ, um, this text isn't for you this morning. Where you need to start with is uh, acknowledging your need for a Savior, that Jesus died for your sin, and committing your life to Christ. But uh, this is a text for followers who are, um, are committed to Christ and Jesus' expectations for them. So he said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor weep, reap, reap, not weep, reap. And they have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you, being anxious, can add a single hour to his lifespan? If then you are not able to do as small a thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? And do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor be worried. For all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows that you need them. Instead, seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there will be your heart also. There's a young man in our church. He's uh, Caleb Meyer. 
he's at Cal Baptist uh, University. He's a junior this year. But when Caleb was in high school, probably his last two years of high school, um, him and his friends, that included my my son Trevor, uh, Caleb would um, – they did this trust fall exercise at one time at ICS. And so Caleb never forgot it. And so he would be in a group of his friends – and then just out of the blue, he would start counting one, two, three, trust fall, and he would go like this, and he would start to fall backwards. And he wasn't afraid because at that point, he knew his friends would uh, rally behind him and catch him before he fell on the ground. And you never knew when Caleb was going to do it, but Caleb was always, you know, keeping his friends on edge. And they never failed, they never failed Caleb. In fact, when they were in Singapore on a mission trip with uh, Cal Baptist, they were in the tallest uh, building in the world at that time. And I don't know what floor they were on, but Caleb had the bright idea that he was going to get on the elevator, uh, go up or go down a number of floors, and when that elevator opened, he would just fall back backwards, believing that his friends were going to be there to catch him. And you know, they did it. They decided what floor that they were going to run to, and when that elevator opened, Caleb never blinked, and he just fell backwards, and they were there to catch Caleb. What an idiot. <laughs> I don't have that kind of trust. And, you know, when it comes to free falling, there's periods in our life where we're falling. And we're anxious. We're stressed out. And Jesus has words for us as his followers, his disciples. Fear not, little flock. When he says, fear not, it's not a command. You know, so I think maybe we try to hear that as a command. Verse 32, fear not, little flock. And here we are, little lambs. Yeah, we're going to be afraid. That's not the tone of Jesus' voice. This is an invitation. Fear not, little flock. It is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom of God. God wants to take away our stress, our anxiety. How can we know that we don't have to be afraid? Well, as we look at this passage of Scripture this morning... Verse 30 and verse 32 describes God in heaven as our Father. You know, He's not just a transcendent God that is unattainable, holy, and awesome, and to be revered. Yes, He is. He is worthy of our worship, and and we should be in fear of who He is, his, His holiness. But He's also up close and personable, and tender. He's an intimate God. God, Jesus says, the God in heaven is our Father. You don't have to be afraid because God is your Father. Um, 
Monday was Veterans Day. And, uh, you know, for the most part, Facebook is a big waste of time, you know, and, and uh, it, it consumes our, our time. But uh, there are some days where I really like Facebook. And on Monday, it was Veterans Day. And there were p- friends that I follow that would post pictures of their dad on Facebook. And that's my dad on the left, and that's Susan's dad on the right. And um, we were blessed with great dads. My dad, um, he had a hard time saying the words, I love you. Um, I never questioned his love growing up. Um, dad wasn't the affectionate type and he showed his love by providing for his family. And, and, um, my dad had really hard jobs. Uh, when he finally retired, he, he retired with a crippled body, but, uh, he worked really hard and there were some jobs that, uh, that my brother and I would go and help him. But uh, that's the way he showed his love to, to our family was by providing for us, and we never went without. I think he got kind of emotional as later on in life because when I went away from, to college and stuff, then Dad wasn't um, embarrassed about saying, I love you, son, I'm proud of you. Uh, Susan's dad's on the right, and uh, he, was, he was a wonderful father. He was, uh, he was caring. He was nurturing. Uh, he was um, affectionate with his kids, with my wife. Um, he was he was um, wise with his money. He was great with his hands. He could fix anything. He was kind of like the Gene Copeland. He didn't pay for anything to be fixed. He knew how to do it himself. And uh, and he was a great dad with my with my wife. And uh, and we were blessed with great dads. And and I know some of you weren't blessed with a good father. You had an abusive father, an emotionally or physically abusive dad. And when you think of the word father, that God being your father, uh, that doesn't bring warm fuzzies. But I want you to know that as, as good as our dads were, they don't compare to our father in heaven. And his love, his care that he has for us. The Bible describes us as his children as being in God's hand. You know, in Isaiah chapter, it's in your outline this morning, Isaiah 49 verse 6, the Bible says, Behold, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. Her name is written on his hand. How many of us, you know, we've come across that guy or that gal when we were growing up and, and they gave us their phone number and so we wrote it in the palm of our hand because we wanted to call them later. Guess what? Your name is on God's hand. The Bible says in John chapter 10, verses 27 through 29, that no one's going to be able to take us out of his hands. This is what it says. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me and I give them eternal life and they, sh- they will never perish and no one shall snatch them out of my hand. 
go to the next verse. My father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the father's hand. I and the father are one. That's one of my favorite passages of scripture. If you don't have that underlined in your Bible, you need to underline that passage. I was reminded of that again this week. We took our grandkids to the movie on Monday, and uh, we were going to cross the street or going across the parking lot and it was either Ellie or Preston I would say okay hold my hand and uh, they would put my hand in theirs and you know they didn't hold my hand I held theirs and when I held their hand I looked man my hand was a whole lot bigger than theirs and I was I had My grip was on their hand, and there was no way that they would be able to let go of my hand. I held them. And that's our father. That's your father, my friend. God holds your hand, and his hand is a whole lot bigger than your hand. He's not going to let go. And no one can snatch you out of his hand. Why do we not have to be afraid? Because number one, God is our Father. The second thing Jesus tells us about our Father is that God cares. God cares, and he uses three different illustrations. The first, the Bible says that God cares for the raven. Look at verse 24. He says, consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn. And yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? The raven. The nasty raven. Did you know the raven is on the unclean list in the Old Testament in Leviticus chapter 11? God cares for the nasty raven. Takes care of the raven's need. The Bible says that God, God takes care of the lilies in verse 27. Verse 27 says, Consider the lilies and how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. King Solomon, king of Israel, the wealthiest man and the wisest man on planet earth other than Jesus Christ. And Jesus says, the lily, I mean, Solomon couldn't array himself like God dresses, cares for the lilies. And then the third example is God cares for the grass. Verse 28, it says, and do not, but... Verse 28, but if God so clothes the grass, grass which is alive in the field today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you? When he talks about the grass there, Jesus is talking about each individual blade of grass. 
When was the last time you noticed the individual blades of grass? When I'm looking at my lawn or if I'm looking over a field, I don't look at individual blades. I'm looking at the whole thing, whether it's brown or whether it's green. And Jesus says, God cares for the blades of grass. And you are far more important than ravens, lilies, or grass. You know, one of the things that if you're anxious, you may just need to go outside and take a nature walk. You may need to go in your garden and look at an individual flower and the fact that God cares and is very familiar with that flower. And remind yourself that God cares for you, that God holds you. So that's why. That's why we need to get rid of our stress. Because our Father is so much greater than whatever you are going through. And so the, the question is, what's the antidote for our stress? Well, it's not the world's way. Okay? Look what Jesus says in verses 29 and 30. And do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor to be worried for all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows you need them. What's the world's way? What's the motto? I haven't seen a bumper sticker in quite a while that says this, but uh, growing up I would see this bumper sticker, he who dies with the most toys wins. You know, that's the philosophy of the world. We've got to collect all these things. And the more things that we have, the more secure, the more happy, the more prosperous our lives are going to be. That's the world's motto. And Jesus says, don't pursue the world's way. This is on the heels of uh, Luke chapter 12, verses 16 and 20. Through 21, Jeff preached on this a couple weeks ago, but uh, it was the parable of the wealthy wealthy man, and uh, he had a lot of stuff. He had a really big barn, but uh, he had so much stuff that the barn wouldn't hold. And instead of giving away, instead of being generous, I, he needed more security, and so he built bigger barns for all of his stuff. And he looked, he was really wealthy in the world's eyes, but what was Jesus' evaluation of him? You fool. You've only been thinking about yourself, and you're impoverished in the eyes of God. Jesus wants us to be generous towards him towards the kingdom work. And you know, that's just not the way of the world. And the thought is, well, I'm going to be generous sometime. Okay, I'm just going to focus on myself right now, and I'm going to build a bigger and bigger barn, and then when I have enough, then I'll be generous. 
The only problem with that is the barn is never big enough. You know, there's people who have um, have saved a million dollars and have been stingy towards the things of God. And you would think that having accumulated a million dollars, now they can be uh, generous with kingdom work. But no, a million dollars isn't enough. They're working on their second million dollars. My question to you is how much is enough? Jesus is telling us this morning, don't wait. Don't put off generosity until you have enough. No, you need to be generous along the way. Yeah, it's, a, it's important to save, but you don't save to, to the poverty of generosity. Jesus wants us to be generous now. And I know I'm kind of talking about money this morning. And some people get really stressed out when I talk about money. And they complain. But you know who are the, pe- the people are who complain about the pastor preaching about money? It's the people who are focused on the barn. People who are generous, people who want to give to kingdom work, this message doesn't offend them because they've experienced the joy in generosity. The people who are just consumed about themselves, focused on themselves, yeah, they hold on tight to their pocketbook and they have words of criticism to me. What does Jesus say? Jesus says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Fear not, verse 32, fear not, little flock, for it is the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide for yourselves money bags that are not going to grow old. Jesus is saying, keep first things first always. Not when you have enough, always. Now, that doesn't mean that you're to live foolishly and spend money that you don't have. No, you're not to live beyond your, your means. But be generous towards the things of God. Um, I don't know if you've been to our website, uh, church website, but uh, there's uh, International Mission Board has a story pertaining to the Philippines and the typhoon. And uh, we have uh, uh, Southern Baptist missionaries in, in the Philippines. And one of those missionary couples were right in the eye of the storm. And um, they talk about uh, what took place during the the storm. Uh, they live in this house, and uh, <clears throat> I guess it's it's on this island. And the, the 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 wind and the wave, the water came in. They live on a two in a two story house. They were on the second story, and they were on their mattress 
uh, in their bedroom, floating on their mas- mattress on the second story. Um, they were watching everything that they owned be destroyed. Um, but God was God was taking care of their needs. Oh, obviously they were in a panic. Okay, they were they were verbally screaming, shouting, crying out to God to to save them. They watched the. They watched God answer their prayers. The water would rise. As they prayed, the water would lower. Then the water would come back up. They watched their dining room table. Their dining room table in the, in the sec- downstairs um, floated on, on the water and uh, floated up to the second story. Everything on the dining room table stayed there. The water went away, and their di- their dining room table was back on the floor. Everything was on the table. Um, she had a birthday uh, just a, a week or so ago, and uh, and friends gave them six packs of Dr Pepper. Uh, Dr Pepper is a real treat in in the uh, Philippines. Those Dr Pepper six packs were floating on the water. They were so thirsty during the storm, and the six packs of Dr. Peppers floated to their mattress, and they were able to have Dr. Pepper in the middle of the storm. God was watching over them. God was providing for their every need. Now, I'm not saying that circumstances will always go the way you want them to do to go. Folks, we're going to be faced with heartaches. There's going to be times in our life when we're going to get news that is really, 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 really bad. But God hasn't abandoned you. And through that process, through that heartache, your faith is going to be strengthened in him and you're going to have a story to tell to other others of God's providential care in your life. Jesus is saying, if you want to get rid of stress, you need to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And what does it mean to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness? Oftentimes when we think of that, we think, oh, we need to get in the Bible. We need to memorize scripture. We need to study his word. We need to fill our minds with knowledge. Is that what Jesus is saying here? Verse 32. Fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. How does he do that? Sell your possessions and give to the needy. How does God want to get rid of stress in our life? By giving up our stuff. See, we collect all this stuff thinking that that stuff is going to fill the void. And all it does is it keeps us up at night. And we're thinking, we're consumed of what we're able to accomplish. And when the stock market goes down, we panic because that's where our hope and faith and trust lie. It's in our barn. 
God doesn't want us to be collecting stuff so that when the storm comes, we don't have to depend on Him because we've got enough to weather the storm. No. He wants us to trust Him. You know, the Bible doesn't say anything about retirement. You know, retirement is an American cultural thing. You don't find that in Scripture. The only passage about retirement is in Luke chapter 12 with the guy in the barns. And Jesus doesn't speak very favorably of that. That doesn't mean we're to be foolish and, and, and not save, not put away for a rainy day. But in the middle of that process, we must, Jesus says, be generous. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added into you. One of the opportunities we have to be seeking his kingdom and his righteousness is being generous towards uh, the um, disaster relief in the Philippines. You know, there are people over there right now who have lost Everything, including loved ones. We could give, we can be generous to the International Mission Board and help with the disaster relief. And, and let people see God through the generosity of the church here and through the generosity of the missionaries who are going to receive these supplies to help people in need. That's seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness. So what's the bottom line? The bottom line is this. Stress over stuff or discover joy in generosity. My friend... If you're thinking, I've got to hold on to it, it's mine, this is what's going to get me through, this is my salvation, you are going to experience anxiety and stress. What's the antidote? Get rid of your stuff. Be generous with your stuff. Be generous to giving to God's kingdom. So, how do we apply this message? There's lots of opportunities to do so this morning. And in church, I don't apologize for this. You know, there's some people who won't attend our church because we pass an offering plate. We ask and expect too much of people here. Folks, I'm not ashamed of taking an offering. It's part of of following Jesus. As his disciples, we are to be generous to kingdom work. And so I, I just want you to consider some opportunities that are before us as a church right now. Uh, they're listed in your bulletin. And um, and how you can give as well. Okay, this probably isn't going to sound very spiritual. But, uh, you know, there's some people... They come to church and they're not prepared to give. You know, I think of my kids. They don't own a checkbook. They have an ATM card. But, you know, it's hard to give an offering to the Lord with an ATM card. Unless we got one of those little fancy things, you know. Um, 
But uh, we don't have those swipers around here. But uh, how can you give if you're not prepared to give here at the church? Well, let me suggest a couple things. One is if you do your banking online and you use uh, bill pay, I just want to encourage you to set up uh, a bill pay with Emmanuel Baptist. We have people who tithe to our church through bill pay, and so that comes to us in the mail from the bank. And you could be prepared to give that way. You know, now some of us old timers were thinking to ourselves, boy, that doesn't sound very spiritual. The Bible says to bring our tithe to the storehouse. Well, you know what? One of these days, taking the offering with an offering plate is, uh, it's, it's, what's that word? I'm thinking of the word. It's going to be obsolete, right? Yeah. You know, in the Old Testament, they bring, they bring grain offerings. We don't do that anymore. Well, one of these days, you know, taking, passing the plate is going to be obsolete. So you can use bill pay. And also, you could go to um, uh, uh, giveibc.org. Okay, that's a new website we've set up. And on that website, you can give through uh, your ATM card or your bank card. You can do a one-time gift, or you can set up a regular uh, giving plan if you use PayPal. But that's another opportunity to give. You know, occasionally, we'll do a benevolence offering in the church. I never carry cash. You know, I just have my ATM card. But I've set up PayPal on my phone where I can give digitally in the service. So I just want to encourage you to do that if you don't use a checkbook. There's opportunities for you to give. But giving to the Philippines Hurricane Relief, the typhoon, um, you can give directly to the International Mission Board, or you can write a check to a manual, and we'll make sure it gets there. Um, another opportunity to give is the Ensenada shoe boxes. Jesus' birthday party that's coming up uh, <clears throat> the third weekend in December. Well, December 13 through 15. And uh, hopefully next week we're going to have a bunch of shoe boxes. We've, we've ordered 400 empty shoe boxes from Samaritan's Purse. Uh, Emmanuel Christian School is taking some of these shoe boxes, but we're asking people in our congregation to take some shoe boxes home, fill them, and then bring them back so that we can take them down to Ensenada uh, in December. Uh, our church in Takati is planting a new church in Ensenada, and so we're doing the Jesus birthday party down there. Folks, there are huge needs there. For many of those children, this is the only Christmas they'll experience is what we bring gift-wise next month. If you're a member of our church, um, you got a letter from me this week regarding Emmanuel Christian School and the need there, and also for the Salvation Army. I want you to know that our church has, from our budget, we've given $2,000 to Salvation Army this month for food boxes. More from our budget is going to come next month, but 10% of whatever we give to the thank offering um, is going to go to Salvation Army and the rest to Emmanuel Christian School to provide for the shortfall there. And so I really want you to pray about what God would have you to give to the thank offering this year. Salvation Army food drive. 
There's a table out here where you can sign up. I, I would really like to see life groups uh, take a time slot and just uh, share those couple hours at a grocery store, but we're going to collect a lot of food for the Salvation Army food closet. It's a great ministry in our community and for the Salvation Army, and that's going to happen next Saturday. So I encourage you to sign up for that. And the Benevolence Fund. There's always needs in our Benevolence Fund, and if you're not prepared to give, again, you could give digitally towards that this morning. And then the last one, it's blank there. It's garage sale. I hate garage sales. I despise garage. Some of you love garage sales. Well, studying this text this morning, this week, I realize that garage sales are biblical. Okay? Luke chapter 12, verse 33 says, Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Our church is in a great location. And uh, there have been organizations that, who have called us uh, periodically through the year asking if they could do a garage sale on our property. We're a great location for a garage sale. And we've always said no because I don't want to be known as the garage sale church in town. Okay? But I think sometime, I'm not talking about within the next couple months, but I'm thinking that, boy, wouldn't it be great if we came together as a church and brought our possessions, not on our junk, but things that we could sell and give to the needy. There's huge needs both here and abroad. And we could raise a lot of funds to help somebody else. Maybe maybe there's something right now that your mind's just wrapped around that <clears throat> creates a lot of stress in your life, and maybe you want to just give it to somebody else right now. But what's the antidote to anxiety, stress? Get rid of your stuff. Our, that stuff, our lives seem to wrap it re- we, our lives revolve around that stuff. Jesus says, be generous. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be added unto you. And I'm, don't hear me say that you need to spend money that you don't have. No. Don't go into debt being generous. But do be generous with what you have and see what God will do through that. Let's pray. This morning, what is Jesus asking you to hold on to loosely? What do you need to let go of? What keeps you up in the middle of the night?
starts with calling God your Father. He cares far more than your earthly father. He holds you. He's not going to let you go. And he loves you far more than blades of grass and lilies and ravens. You're so valuable to him that he sent his son Jesus to die in your place. This morning, if you haven't crossed that line of faith, asking God to save you, trusting in his son Jesus, that's where it begins. Child of God, Are you seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness? It will be reflected in your generosity towards others. How can you give? Jesus, thank you for your words. The timeliness of this text... And Jesus, I just pray that when we're up in the middle of night and we're bothered, when we're stressed, may we know that you're there and that you're our Father. Help our church to be generous to kingdom activity. Jesus, you paid it all, and all to you we owe. Would you stand with me, please, as we worship?